Hello, this is Margarita Monet from Edge of Paradise, and you are listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we delve deep into the albums and bands that shaped metal. Please visit us on our website at www.themetalpit.org. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Metal Pit and on our YouTube channel, which is at The Metal Pit 666. Today, I'm joined by my friend and one another one of my writers for The Metal Pit. Kim, how are you today, Kim? Hi, Blake. I'm great. Thanks. How are you? I am good. Let's see. Today we're going to revisit another classic metal album. But first, since this is your first podcast appearance, I'm going to introduce you to the listeners a little bit. We have been Facebook friends or yeah, friends and then Facebook friends for many years, more than we can remember since I guess I changed profiles. Mm -hmm. We can't document it. (laughs) I think it was like 15 years or something. Probably something like that. Something like that. Well, we most, but a few months ago, you joined the metal pit, and that's when we really started talking more and more, especially about metal, of course. And you're a big help to me on the website, and you're a great photographer, which we'll get to. And you also brought me a few other writers in, which is good. And so I'm happy. And you're also close enough that we get to hang out together, too, which is good. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the most important things. Yeah, it's nice. (laughs) and let's see okay so how well first we'll talk about how did you how or when did you first get into heavy metal music i got into heavy metal music in the 90s when i was a teenager um and i got into some um i guess some of like the gateway music that led me into metal was you know i think uh the Black Album, Metallica's Black Album had come out at the time, um, and like Megadeth and Pantera and uh, some stuff like that. Um, Sepultura, you know. And then I fast forward a few years, started to listen to some extreme metal. Um, Cannibals, Tomb of the Mutilated, DSI's Once Upon the Cross, Brutal Truth, Need to Control. All these albums were like fairly new at the time. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that I started to listen to. Um, I felt pretty hard for it. I was really into it. Uh, it was it was very intriguing and very scary to me at the same time. There was also <laughs> there was also this really really great scene in London, Ontario at the MC Hotel, which is a venue that no longer exists, but um, it was a it was actually a, a very popular spot um, for a lot of these bands to play. Uh, and I was um, absolutely spending a lot of time at that venue uh, at the age of like 16, um, watching these bands and just getting really, really into extreme metal, um, specifically death metal. And uh, yeah. Like the rest is history. That's great. Um. Oh, sorry. I was just. Oh, and you just seen. Uh, you were just at the dark funeral, cattle decapitation, two hundred stab wounds, and black braid concert the other night. How was that one? 
It was awesome. I loved it. It was a good show. I I really wanted to go to that show because um, of the band Black Brain, uh, which I had never heard of before. And I received a press release for um, something of theirs. Uh, I think it was announcing announcing that they were going to be uh, playing that tour, which was the Decibel tour. Um, and it was something that interested me. So, you know, I kind of dug a little bit deeper into them. I, I really dig their stuff. Um, it's a one-man band, um, Native American from the U.S. And uh, obviously he hires musicians to go on tour, but there's a lot of like um, nature, forest, Native American spiritual type themes in their music, which is really appealing to me. I, I grew up in a Native American community and, you know, I just, I, I thought it was really cool. I really dug it. Uh, 200 stab wounds, very brutal, very awesome, very like horror metal, uh, put on a really, really great show. The crowd loved it. it. It was really pumped. And of course, cattle and dark funeral, like speak for themselves. Cattle, cattle sounded amazing. It was a good show. And uh, when you hear this podcast, you can check out our website for the show review and some awesome photos that you took you took that night. And still, before we get into photography, you've been promoting metal for years. So you want to talk about your history in promoting metal before you joined the metal pit? Sure. So, yeah, I was uh, into that London scene. Um really into metal and I think it wasn't until I got to college that I you know started I guess like participating um I never played an instrument or anything like I you know maybe tried to play the drums or the guitar once or twice but it never went anywhere uh so I I think my earliest contribution was like in college I I had a regular Wednesday night gig at a local metal bar in London, Ontario, uh, just like DJing, just playing, like just playing metal tracks, you know, uh, which was, was fun. It was a fun gig. You know, I had like a few people that would come out specifically to see me, which was really nice. And it, it, it was a good way to, you know, uh, spend my college years. And I, I think I booked a couple of shows while I was in college too, like not really knowing what I was doing, but just mm -hmm. like, trying to raise money for my my class and my school or whatever. So I did that. And then after college, so college is done and I want to move to Vancouver. I want to go out West because at the time that was the thing a lot of people did. And um, I was pretty adventurous person. I like to travel. I had some friends out there, so I, Quit my job. I saved some money first. I quit my job, drove out there with a couple of friends, and um, so I get there. Vancouver's very expensive, so I need to find a job, <laughs> and I'm job searching. You know, whatever kind of job, anything like probably like customer service or something that's like quick and easy to get. And I come across the job posting for a company called PhD Canada, uh, and PhD Canada is I guess sort of like a, or was, I'll say, like kind of like um, a subset of uh, Plastic Head in the UK uh, in a way. So I, I never really under, I never really understood like exactly what the connection was, but I know there was a connection. Mm -hmm. So 
this job posting, obviously like really cool job. I know I'm not going to get it. I don't even know why I tried, but I sent a message to them anyways. And I said, you know, please consider me for this really cool job. Here's my resume. And um, I got an interview. And actually they interviewed me on my birthday, <laughs> which was kind of cool. I was really excited. I, I got this job interview and then um, they actually gave me the job uh, while I was there. And they sent me home with the um, Sugar album. I think it was like the double disc. It had it had just come out. I think uh, if I remember correctly. Sorry if I'm wrong, but it was called like Catch Thirty Three or something. So wow, I got this job, and that was amazing. And I I don't even know why, but I got it, and <laughs> I I spent like about almost four years at PhD Canada, um, and I started out at the order desk dealing with the stores. So pr promoting new releases, stuff like that, we would, you know, uh, I would get a list of like everything that was coming out that month. I would put up like, I would make up this new release kind of like booklet or whatever. I'd send it out to the stores. I'd put the orders in, you know, I'd help them with anything that they needed. I'd send out promotional material, stuff like that. And then eventually after like a, a year or two, I started doing a little bit more on the promotion side. I, um, I rebuilt their website, managed their website, did some um, adverts in some print magazines, which is really cool. And I still have them. Um, yeah, so it was a great job. It had a lot of perks. It was a really great family. Um, it was like my dream job. But uh, then the internet came and ruined everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, long story short, you know, nuclear blast obviously was the bloodline of, oh, well, PHE Canada, let's talk about what they were. So they were, we were a Canadian distribution for heavy genres, most, mostly metal, punk. And then we did like some other stuff that the big labels didn't care about, which was like world music and um, classical music. <laughs> so it was like, it was a great catalog, you know, it was, we had this warehouse and, you know, it was just full of great music. And I, I remember one of the job perks was like being able to take home, you know, a certain amount of things out of the warehouse every paycheck. And it was just, I mean, you'll you'll appreciate this, but it was, you know, walking through this this warehouse and just not, you know, finding something you don't know what it is, but it looks cool. And you're like, well, it's free. I'm going to take this home. I'm going to check it out. And, <laughs> you know, it was hit or miss. It was like, it was like, you know, back in the day when you had to go to the stores to buy your music and we didn't have the yeah. internet. Yeah. 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 It was cool. Um, so yeah, if you look at uh, any of the CDs or albums that you own that are metal that, um, are from like the 90s or early 2000s, they're probably gonna have the PhD Canada logo on them. And that's what PhD was. So uh, when sales started going down in the industry, um, the major labels who for the most part didn't really care about this kind of stuff um, realized that you know they needed to do something because their sales were going down and they started buying up all the contracts with every label like not just the big ones anymore they were suddenly interested in in all the labels 
And unfortunately, nuclear blast being like, you know, kind of the bloodline of our company, uh, when it was time to renew that contract, we, we lost it uh, because we just couldn't compete with, you know, the buyer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't blame them, of course, but at the same time, that was like, that was the beginning of the end for the company. And uh, unfortunately, we tried to hang on, but it didn't work. And the, the company went under, along with many, many, many others in, you know, North America and probably around the world. Just, it was just the times at the, at the time. Yes. So I'm out of a job and, you know, I, I did look around to see if there was some other, you know, music industry type work out there, but everybody was getting light off. Everybody was getting let go. Companies were going under. So competition was really, really high. Jobs were very, very few. So I moved on and did other things for a while. Um, I somehow end up back in Ontario uh, and I'm living in Stratford, Ontario, which is like, I don't know, very, very small city, very, very small creative city uh, in Ontario that I really like. And there's Home of Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> Not because of Justin Bieber, but, <laughs> but yeah, that Stratford, Ontario. And yeah. And I'm living there and I'm working, I'm just working in a restaurant and um, there's, I have a lot of friends there and a lot of these friends have bands. Um, There's a great, great, great amount of of like musicians and and like a a good opportunity for a scene there. So I started to book shows in Stratford, Ontario. I had a good um, deal with one of the bars that had a great stage and, you know, couple times a month I would put on a show mostly local bands but then it started to spread out and then I started like I started traveling I you know I would go to you know Windsor or Kitchener or London or wherever or Brantford or wherever like you know I, I was looking for hunting for bands to like bring to Stratford to to play with mm-hmm. you know these local bands to try to create a scene and and that went really really well it was a good time for a while there and then a friend of mine, Mark Chandler, who was in a lot of bands, I think it was in Orchidectomy and Ataxia and Mullet Corpse, and um, he's been in, in quite a few things. Uh, he convinced me to start uh, booking shows in London, Ontario, which was like a neighboring city and a little bit bigger. He said they didn't have they didn't have a good a good promoter there. They you know they needed help so i started booking shows in london ontario and eventually moved to london ontario and you know kind of that kind of took off for a little while um started to bring in more and more bands from other cities eventually it it grew and and we booked some really like some kind of high profile stuff like um cryptopsy um and yeah so i did that for a while and also uh some somewhere in there started uh to do pr work uh also for for some of these bands um with a friend of mine jason and um we did that for many years same kind of idea we started out sort of small like helping you know a band here or a band there and then it got bigger and bigger and then we became i think the primary pr 
people for CDN Records, which is an awesome Canadian extreme metal label. Uh, so we did that for a while and, and then eventually, um, you know, nailed a contract with Relapse to do an incantation release. And of course, our very good friends in Cryptopsy, we did a, a couple of releases with them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, eventually the booking shows, I mean, I think it was a mix of just not having enough time moving to uh, Montreal for a little while for work and and you know I was driving back to Ontario to do to do these shows and it was just too much so that kind of stopped and then the PR stuff kind of stopped too same reasons I think like just got busy it was too much um and COVID of course because yeah. COVID yeah COVID ruined a lot of things uh yeah so you know but it was fun I did all this stuff for like 10 years or so um, I mean, I'm not going to say I would never book a show again. I I probably might if if something cool was to happen. But, you know, right now I'm too busy, too busy with work. Uh, <laughs> also, during all that time, somehow, so Jason hooked me up with Brave Words and I started to um, shoot photography for shows. Um, I remember my first show that I shot was uh, Flesh God Apocalypse, got to interview Tommaso. Um, with Jason and it was a really great experience and I you know continued on with that because it, it's a lot of fun and and uh, it was a good creative outlet for me I was pretty terrible at photography at the time <laughs> when I <laughs> when I look back at some some of that stuff it, you know I'm like ew but it's okay because you know I've been doing that I've been doing the show photography for about 10 years now and um it it's I've definitely like, you know, really found my style, you know, honed my craft, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I I really rely on that in my life. It's 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 a it's my creative outlet right now. And I was working for Brave Words mostly uh, for a few years. And I was also helping Tim uh, Metal Tim Henderson with um, his social media and like some graphic design stuff. Uh, and then. I eventually moved on from Brave Words and, and spent a couple of years just like working for various uh, outlets like uh, Metal Injection uh, a, a lot and um, Terrorizer, I think Metal Hammer once or twice. Um, and now I am at the Metal Pit working with you and I'm super stoked about it. I'm very happy here. I think we have a awesome, collaborative, motivated metal team. And uh, I can honestly say that, you know, this is probably like the most comfortable, most happy I've been like in an outlet before. That's awesome. And of course, I'm happy to have you. And and you are a great photographer. Well, since I'm mostly just seeing your photos, well, I guess, I don't know if I know, even though we've been friends on Facebook or whatever, I don't know if I ever really noticed your photography until you joined me. And then it's like, oh, I'm seeing it. And I see how awesome they are. The photos but what is the biggest challenge about doing the photography i know it's lighting but you can say that anyway <laughs> <laughs> so it's everything it's everything it's um it's lighting um and you 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 know you don't know what the lights are going to be like when it starts so it's you don't have a lot of, of like preparation time um it's lighting it's people moving quickly 
uh, unpredictably, it's microphones are in your way, you know, amplifiers, speakers, this, that, um, somebody's stepping on your toe in the press pit, uh, somebody's arm, somebody's got their arm reached out because they have a point and shoot or they're shooting with their phone or something like that, which is fine. I mean, there's room for everybody in those pits for sure, but there's like, there's a lot of things to think about and there's a lot of challenges and, and, uh, you, you learn over time and the way that I handled these challenges is like, I have little tricks, you know, if, if, if the lights are too bright, I shoot from the side. So I'm not shooting directly at them. Um, you know, if, if the, uh, I'll do the same thing if the press pit is too full. Um, but you got to move around. You got, uh, sometimes it's, it's quantity. Like if you're like, Oh, this is a shit show. I'm not going to get a good photo here. I'll just take, I'll just take a couple hundred photos and then I'll go home and be like, there's got to be something good here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but also, you know, I have a bit of an advantage because I did go to school for like this kind of stuff. So I spend a lot of time editing my photos and that really helps a lot. Yes. Now I, I did it photos a few times at a few concerts, uh, whatever, 15 years ago or something like that. Uh, and I know I was always disappointed well, because you could only be in the pit for three songs back then or usually for three songs and you had to get out of there. And I was always disappointed when I, the fourth song, they do something really cool that would have been a great photo. <laughs> And it's like, yeah. why didn't you do that earlier when I could have took a picture of it? And of course, everybody's got their phones out now. And so they're getting a picture of it, but I'm not because <laughs> I'm kicked out of this, whatever. It happens but, all the time. It happens all the time. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's the worst. And, and actually, now that we talk about it, um, I think I told you one of these stories, but not the second one. So bad experiences, specific bad experiences for me, um, one of them was at Hellfest and at Hellfest, like, yeah, three, th three songs is like the normal um, yeah. for like a, um, a mid-size show. But at a big festival like that, uh, you get one song because there's, you know, a lot of photographers. So mm -hmm. they have to fit everybody in and, and they have to fit everybody in within those three songs. So you usually get like one song. And I remember shooting Wardruna, which I was really excited about. And <clears throat> because I was at the front of the line. I was the first group of people to go into the pit and um, they just played it like an intro. And there was like, you know, like two guys on the stage and no instruments. And it was just like some moody lighting. And I was like, I felt ripped off. I was like, what the hell? Like, I, this is, this sucks. So that was one uh, second bad experience uh, was shooting Watain, uh in Norway at Midgard's Blatt. And um, they uh eric the singer for watching eric threw like i don't know it must have been like a liter of blood on the photographers <laughs> <laughs> and i had like i had this brand new like i don't know four thousand dollar lens or something like that that i bought specifically to take to this festival and it was just like covered in blood and i'm pretty sure it was real blood it stunk pretty bad it was all it was in my hair it was like everywhere and um so i don't shoot watain anymore i'll just skip them <laughs> if they're on the bill because i don't want to deal with that but yeah you know it's fun but you you know like anything else there's challenges 
Yes. Um, so uh, here's a question for you. Since you're a female, of course, obviously. So how many times in, in your uh, career of listening to metal, whether it's at a concert, I guess, or even just walking around wearing a metal shirt, has a guy come up to you and asked you to name three songs of the band of the shirt that you're wearing? Um, the only time anybody has ever asked me to name songs was like last week. And it was you when you asked me to make this list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I ask every girl that question. No, I don't. I don't ask anybody. <laughs> no, nobody's ever asked me to name three songs, which is good because I have a shitty memory. So. Well, it's a stereo that you've seen that in post, but I've seen that yeah. in post before where they'll yeah, say that or whatever and it's like i would never ask anybody that and and i was just wondering if it actually happened Honestly, i mean if somebody if somebody did that to me i don't even know what i would do like i, I don't know i would probably just like give them a weird look and move on <laughs> i mean who does that right yeah, I'm sure if that does happen, the person is probably drunk when they're doing it or something, because yeah. I can't really see a normal person. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> generally, generally, and I and I'm not I like, generally, my my experiences being a woman or a female, because it wasn't always a woman, obviously. Uh, well, I mean, like, I was always female, but I was, you know, <laughs> I was yes. going to show I was going to shows pretty young. Uh, yeah. It's always been fairly good for me, but this is my experience. And I will say, you know, going to shows, especially like extreme metal shows, like in the nineties and stuff, like it was pretty rare to see other women there. Yeah. Or, you know, there'd be like a couple. So um, that's, that's one thing um, that's changed a lot. I noticed like I'm, uh, post COVID going to shows now, there's women everywhere. There's young women everywhere. They're wearing old school death metal shirts. I saw some girl wearing like slowly rewrought at the the show on on the weekend, and and it's just super impressive. Lots of like stuff like that. It's really great to see them there. They're stage diving or not stage diving. They're like uh, I don't know when you when you ride on top of the uh, pit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they're they're there and they're there's a lot of them and it, it's really really cool so things have definitely changed i'll say for sure um you know it's for the better i guess because it's cool to see but i mean you know my experiences have always been really really good i've i've, I've always been treated with respect and you know i can't i mean i can't think of any specific thing that happened um and and sometimes i you know I'm not gonna lie sometimes i get treated maybe a little bit better than expected like the amount of tour buses i've been on or backstage like doing interviews or or you know whatever you know i'm always always treated very very well that's good to hear really yeah <laughs> um you've been to many concerts obviously as you've said, do you have a big, uh, do you have a favorite concert or maybe a favorite uh, festival you've been to or anything you want to talk about there? I would say favorite concert. I don't know. Um, that's tough. I, I'd like what to say. Your, my, what was your my, first concert? Like first bigger concert, I guess. 
Um, Kim Mitchell. Okay. <laughs> and then I think after that, it might have been Van, ha Van Halen. Oh, okay. <laughs> I never seen Van Halen. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, or Kim Mitchell. <laughs> Kim Mitchell, I think it was with like my friend's parents or something like that. But that was like, you know, kind of my first concert experience. And then, mm -hmm. and then I remember seeing Van Halen, uh, which was really, really cool. Um, so favorite. I, I would like to say that my maybe my favorite concert hasn't happened yet. You know, I'm always like looking for looking for it. Your favorite concert is going to be the one they go with you to, right? Is that right? Yeah, like why? <laughs> what the hell? We haven't even gone to a concert together. What's wrong with us? I haven't been to a concert in like three years, I don't think. Okay, well, we need to fix that. Yes, we do. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to get to talking about the album that we're going to talk about now. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is episode number 17 for the Metal Pit podcast. Two of them were interviews, but the rest have all been revisiting a classic metal album. Our first episode was Metallica's third album, Master of Puppets, I did with Georgina. And at that time, I said, I want to do Ride of Lighting or Master of Puppets. Which one do you want to do? And she said, Master of Puppets. So I said, okay. And then the last episode, which had to put into two parts, was with writer Jason, and he picked Injustice for All to do. And so keeping on with the Metallica thing for at least, this is probably this will probably be the last Metallica album we do, unless we do Kill Em All sometime, but this will probably be, so we're going to do the second album, Ride the Lightning, uh, oh, which of course is, oh yeah, it's your second studio album, we just said that, sorry, Record or released in 1984, July 1984, oh, on my wife's birthday, isn't that special, July 27th. Oh. <laughs> and it was uh released on megaforce records the album uh was recorded in three weeks with producer fleming rasmussen in denmark uh actually i re i read because they're on tour they had their equipment stolen or something so when they're in denmark they had to put out a call to bands to see if they could find any amps that they could use and stuff like this because james was really disappointed that his Marshall stack that he had custom was stolen or something. And so, so apparently, and we can get to that later, but the song Fade to Black, which is about suicide, was actually inspired by James being so upset that their equipment got stolen. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and the artwork on the album is depicts, of course, an electric chair being struck by lightning. And the title was taken from a Stephen King novel the book the stand and which character uses the phrase uh ride the lightning can or, i jump in yes okay so the album cover is the electric chair right yes so i mean this blew me away because i never noticed it before but look at the lightning <laughs> i can't <laughs> have the picture in front of me oh you don't have it uh it it, it makes an m it makes an m Oh, that, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. I remember that. I was like, man, dude, never noticed that before. Anyways, <laughs> moving on, moving on. Well, you'll notice it on my, my, my uh, personal Facebook page. I have a picture of my car with lightning behind it. I saw that literally today. And I was like, <laughs> I called I that like, photo ride the lightning. Did you actually take that photo? No, it's, I, I know how to oh. edit photos too. <laughs> Because I was like, damn, like, that's like a one in a million shot. 
Well, I guess I could have slide and said, yeah, I did take that shot. Yeah. No, yeah. I've sat, I've sat outside my car during a storm waiting, trying to do that, <laughs> but it never worked out. So I just said, ah, this program will throw a lightning bolt in here. This looks there good. Go. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Oh, so, uh, now I've already told a story a few times. And when I first heard Metallica, I first heard Metallica and uh, hit the lights. I heard hit the lights on a heavy metal radio thing. So I've listened to them since kill them all. And you mentioned earlier that the Black Album was probably the first album you heard. So when did you listen to Ride the Lightning then? Like, did you like the Black Album and go back to Ride the Lightning? Or how did that come about? Uh, no, I mean, I, I never went back to the Black Album. I'll just say that right out. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know when I, like, I really thought about this. Because I know this is, like, something that you guys always discuss on these podcasts. And I can't remember that. Like, I just can't remember the first time I heard Ride the Lightning. But um yeah i don't know i got nothing i'm well, sorry that's okay. <laughs> i can't i mean i know that i as soon as it came out i probably went and bought it but i don't remember i mean i was five I was... when it came out so <laughs> i certainly well, I didn't gonna... listen to it <laughs> yeah i'm quite older than you so i was whatever <laughs> I was, I was, it was way after, I heard it way after it came out. We'll just go with that. So for me, it would have been, I listened to Kill Em All. And then, so as soon as Ride the Lightning came out, I went and got it. And then I listened to it and I thought this, because I loved Kill Em All. And it was kind of like the first thrash album, I guess, that anybody made. But this one is so much better than Kill Em All, I find. Like the songs and everything. And... And this is my favorite Metallica album, this one. Same. Like I said, I asked uh, Georgina for the first one to do Ride the Lightning or Master. And I really wanted to do Ride the Lightning, but it's fine to save it for now because I get to do it with you. <laughs> yeah, like because clearly, like, you know, we're saying and this is the best album. Yes. I was going to make a joke up there, but I, I missed my mark on my joke. But I was going to say we're going to do the best Metallica album, which, of course, is St. Anger. <laughs> But that's my joke. (laughs) (laughs) So it starts off with Fight Fire with Fire. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'll let you discuss. Do you want to talk about the song first? Um, Yeah, it's a great song. Um, A lot of people have done really great covers of it. Um, It's hard, it's fast, it's loud, you know, it's heavy, it's dark. Uh, It's about destruction, the Cold War, all that stuff you know, everything that makes a really, really great metal song. Well, I love the, the head of the acoustic intro. And this was like, as I'm reading through some of the things preparing for this, even though I know the album, of course, but I'm trying to find some extra notes here to talk about. And that I guess that would be the first time when diehard fans, even though it was only the second album, but some diehard fans didn't like the acoustic intro because, you know, there was none of that in the first album. So they already hmm. thought they were getting soft because they have an acoustic guitar. <laughs> Maybe they were. Wow. Okay. It was really Second Cl- album and they're already getting accused of selling <laughs> it out. It was really That's- Cliff Burton that I think wrote that part, actually. Right. From what I read. But yeah, I love that song. The drumming just seems so fast. Actually, I like the, the drumming on this. I know Lars gets lots of complaints. And it's not necessarily his drumming technique on the album, but I just love the sound of the drums in this album. The best of any of them. I don't know why, just it's the way they sound on this mm-hmm. is, I mean, it's better than St. Anger's drums, I guess, right? 
we need to raise the bar a little bit on that. But. <laughs> and uh, James is chanting, like barking kind of vocals and saying things like blow the universe into nothingness. And then it, it ends with like when the guitar ends the song, it kind of the world ends. I don't know. This really should have been the last song. <laughs> yeah. It's like an explosion at the end where it kind of ends. Yeah. yeah, I love this song, and it's really reminiscent of Battery, which comes on the next album, because they seem to, for Ride the Lightning and Master, are so, like, they have their semi-ballad kind of thing in it, and and it kind of ends on a, or no, I guess this one doesn't end on a fast one, this ends on an instrumental, but that's the only difference, but anyway, yes, it's a great song, and I also have these notes of, I did this on the last episode about how many times they've played songs live. And Ride the Lightning, they've played songs from Ride the Lightning the second most of any of their other albums. Do you have a guess on what album they've played live most? Like what songs they've played live most? The Black Album. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it like, I mean, okay, I think I looked into this like a couple of weeks ago. I think, is it, is it not like considered the most popular heavy metal well album i think it's the biggest time. i think it's the biggest selling biggest metal biggest album selling. of all time i mean metal is you know subjective but yeah yeah yes yeah, yeah. like yeah i don't know like guns and roses i don't know if they're metal but i'm sure they had an album that sold a lot too but i don't know but i did sure. listen to i told you this in person too but i listened to a metallica podcast where the guys said the black comb is the best metal album ever now maybe i heard them wrong and maybe they did mean the best selling album but clearly he was out of his head i'm sure <laughs> well they're older well actually they're probably not older than you i guess they're i mean not older they were younger i mean than me obviously so I don't exactly know what their age is, but the Black Album could be the first album they heard and they're not like you or me and they really like the album yeah but they also like, you know, I mean, there's load and reload and I'm not sure I've heard anybody say they like St. Anger, even though I like the song Frantic. I like that song. <laughs> but that's probably the only song I would listen to off that album. Anyway, let's get to song number two, Ride the Lightning. You, uh, what do you think? Um. So, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, Kirk read the term in a Stephen King novel, couldn't figure out which one it was. I couldn't, couldn't find that out in my research um, and presented it to James. James used it. Great, 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 great album title. Um, so one thing that I learned uh, when looking into this was that it, of all this, of all of the, you know, metallic songs, um, this one probably had like the best, contributions from all people so mm -hmm. you know like dave mustaine is credited on credited on it lars cliff kirk you know james everybody so this is like kind of like you know the song that you know all of metallica contributed to and it, it's such a great song uh who's this dave mustaine guy you're talking about <laughs> that's right <laughs> Yes, I think this is his last writing credit with Metallica. Yeah. I think. I'm, there might have been another song on here, but I know, yeah, he wrote, he did yeah, something. Yeah, I think there was a few on the album, yeah. But, yeah. you know, this this is this is just a really great song, and, and you know. And they've, I, did, I said, 
Yeah, and they've played this one 399 times live. That's it? Yes. A little more That's because... than fire with I'm not I, I don't know if I've ever heard it live. I mean, I I know you told me that you haven't seen Metallica live. I've seen them probably 10 times. And I don't know if I've ever heard them play Ride the Lightning. I'm not really sure because I do like the song. Yeah. I don't recall if I've heard it live before or not. But no, like know. I kind of like missed the the mark on Metallica because like like I said, like by the time I was, you know, going going to big concerts and stuff, like they were already into their not cool face or you know they're <laughs> not metal face or whatever and um yeah anyway, you're saying yeah. they sold out that's what you're saying well i mean i i maybe i don't know i'm not no. that so i don't i don't know but uh i think there's probably uh a story that we'll talk about later um on one of these later songs that that is sort of relative to that okay of the selling out you mean yeah, you know I don't. Mean? Yeah, okay. I don't. I'm, I, I'm, I don't I'm not gonna. Call, I'm not gonna call it selling out. But. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't call that with anybody. I don't really. Because when yeah. Metallica changed, like the Black Album, I guess when they really changed, of course, first yeah. change, I guess you call it. But I remember seeing an interview on Much Music, like on their metal show, and they had Rob Zombie and whoever Rob Zombie's guitarist was at the time. It wasn't John Five, but whoever I don't know his name, but the VJ who I think is the guy that went on to do the news in the States, but I forget his name right now. But anyway, but he asked Rob Zombie's guitar, I said, what do you think of the new Metallica album? And he says, well, Metallica can do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> and that was really all the answer was. And, and that would be true. my answer too, because it yeah. is true. I mean, look at them. They can do whatever the hell they want. So. Yeah, like, yeah. if you don't like it, you just listen to somebody else, right? Like, I don't know. But a lot of people felt, like they let them down or something, but they're not the only band right. that exists in the heavy metal world. So I don't know. I always yeah. thought because I didn't mind when I the black album came out, I listened to it. Now I don't listen to it much, except your favorite understand man, of course. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'll listen to stuff and but you know, I'll, you'll listen, but now I'll listen to it and think, oh, I don't like this song, and I'll skip this one and I'll skip this right. one. Maybe right. I listen to Sad But True, or maybe I listen to whatever. But uh, yeah, it's they don't stand the test of time. But when you go back to Ride the Lightning, I don't skip any of those ones. Yeah. But anyway, then we go on to For Whom the Bell Tolls. And this song begins with a bell tolling. Sorry, I read that on Wikipedia. I thought that was brilliant that they said that. Well, yeah, no, but wait. So it Did wasn't. I skip the song? Oh, pardon? No. Oh, fun sorry. fact. Oh. We're going to do a fun fact here. Okay. So, so it wasn't actually any kind of a bell, but it was a large anvil that Lars was smashing a hammer against. Oh, let's see. Well, let's I sound... don't know how they got it to sound like a bell, but that's what he was doing. So, <laughs> that must have been their anvil influence that they had. Totally. <laughs> had to have been. And the thing so, uh, uh oh sorry go ahead. Go oh ahead. no. I'll, I was just gonna say, you know, good song, great song, very haunting, you know. Also another song about like the fallout of war, which kind of seems like a theme, you know, at least throughout some of this album. Um, and talking about Cliff, I think the opening riff is actually um credited to Cliff. Yes. Uh, 
and he it came from his like previous band called Age, agents of misfortune yes so he, yeah yeah uh so that's kind of an interesting fact and i guess the lyrics were inspired by the ernest hemingway novel of the same name like a 1940 novel called for whom the bell tolls oh cool i haven't read that one Let's look into that. Um, this was also released as a promotional single, and I guess this this must have been the first. I don't remember bands releasing singles back then, but anyway, maybe this was the first <laughs> single. I don't know. It doesn't really say that, but this song has been played the fourth times most live. Oh, like, really? Whatever, fifteen hundred and seventy-five times. 1575 times wow so, so, so obviously a lot of concerts so <laughs> yeah very popular song i guess <laughs> yeah so it's i don't i'd have to i don't know if i have my list of the others i'm sure enter sandman is probably number one. Oh, for sure it is <laughs> much to your chagrin <laughs> <laughs> first song i ever learned how to play on guitar so oh <laughs> yeah no, actually, I'm wrong. It's Master of Puppets is, is number one. Is it? Oh, okay, actually, good. understand, man, it's number six. It's not number one. Sorry. Weird. Master of Puppets is number one. Yeah. Weird. For Whom the Bell Tolls is number four. Much better. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay. And then we get to track four, which is the end of side one for us old vinyl people. Fade to Black, which is one of my favorite songs. Now, some of my favorite mm. songs I find are the semi-ballady kind of, I don't know what you call it a ballad, but whatever. You're a softie, that's why. <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> but I've always loved the song and uh and like this, of course, the song is about suicide and it's become an emotional song live for people that you know start bawling when they sing it because I guess they read into it too deeply. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm sure it touches a lot of people which is pretty cool and that i i think it's really great you talked about this earlier but i i mean i know the song is not about getting all of their gear stolen in <laughs> wherever was it denmark it was denmark right well that's where um, they're making the album and they needed i don't know where it got yeah, stolen but, from but yeah so they were in denmark they're away from home you know like Lars is like crashing at people's houses that he knows because he's from there but like you know the rest of them like you know they're sleeping on the floor or whatever in the studio they're feeling a little homesick you know they're just trying to get this album done and then like all their stuff gets stolen and you know even though there was probably I'm assuming no suicidal thoughts over that I hope not but um it's still like it you know they wrote this song while they were in like a state of mind which yes yeah when and and it went really well like it did a really really good job and it, i'm sure it, it came from the heart in a way and yeah like when he says cannot stand this hell i feel he's really talking about the fact that he can't have his amp <laughs> <laughs> can't have his martial amp that he had customized he's like how am i ever gonna fucking pay for that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's one of my favorite songs and this one is the ninth most played song live huh, at 1248 okay. times live <laughs> and but do you you like it you don't like it 
you know, I'm a softie. Yeah. Okay. So no, it, no, it seems, I love it. Love it. Love it. It's good. Song, see, it's song. funny. Cause I know some of the other podcasts I tell people I hate ballads, but it's probably just the group. So I don't mind. I like James's vocals on this song and it sounds and whatever. And, but it's, I guess, other groups, if they have a ballad, it's like, I don't want to hear this thing. So you're, sucks, so, you're, so you're a hypocrite is what you're saying. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's what you're saying. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so now we got the song about Canada, which of course is trapped under ice. Okay. It's not okay. about Canada. Okay. It's not about Canada. Okay, no, yeah. but can, can we just start out by saying that like when Metallica played um, the Arctic, which is amazing, they mm-hmm. did not they did not play this song. Oh, they didn't. <laughs> and why did they say why they didn't play it? They didn't I don't know. Do <laughs> I, they clearly were not thinking because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. Yeah, so Chapter Under Ice. I love this song. I love this song. Give me any song where it starts out with a Kirk solo and I'm <laughs> in. Yes, I love this one too. And this yeah, is, I love I love the, the galloping refs that are in it. And yeah, it's I guess kind of maiden thing, except <clears throat> you know, totally. faster and heavier, obviously. So good, so good. And anything that talks about like, you know, the cold and the dark <laughs> and the snow, and it's like my heart, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have a cold black heart, Kim, right? Yes. Right. Yes, exactly. that's what I've learned about you. <laughs> Now, this song has only been played 28 times live. So disappointing. I, I don't know why they wouldn't, because it's only four minutes. <laughs> it's like a rare it. entity. It's like, yeah. you know, if you were present for one of those 24 times, you're like clearly special. Yeah. Again, again I wouldn't recall if I've ever heard it or not. I wish I did if I, I could have. But, you know, because, you know, like I said, I've seen it 10 times, but that was over whatever, 30, 40 years or whatever it was. So, but I don't recall. And now the next song, did we already talk about this? No, we can just skip this song, right? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I like that. I don't know why. Yeah. James hates Escape. The song is Wait. You like what? the song? Wait. Like, I like do. Like, I don't I don't see anything wrong okay, with it. Okay, okay. All right, all right, right. Like it said, uh, James doesn't, especially doesn't like the song. It said it was supposed to be the label wanted him to make a radio-friendly song, but I listened to yeah. the song and I don't really see how this is going to be radio-friendly anyway. It's still... It's a- it's kind of a precursor of what is to come for Metallica. Yeah, like, this that's was true. like this like, was like the first hint of it. Like, um, but I, I guess like something we know about Metallica is that like you know if they're told you need to do this, they can do it and they can do it well. But yeah, you're like you said, like this they they delivered the album. They were like, here's our seven songs, and the label was like, hey, can you just make one more song and can you make it like. I guess I don't know how they would have asked, but they said radio friendly or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's what happened with Escape. Wait, I don't know. Did it ever get played on the radio? I don't remember ever hearing it on any radio I listened to. No, me neither. <laughs> me neither. Like fade to black with you think that would I mean, I know it gets heavy, but at least half of it's not heavy. But yeah. it is kind of long, I guess, for a radio song, I guess. But it tugs at the heartstrings. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know, but anyway, so this song has only been played live once. 
<laughs> I saw the video. <laughs> and that was because they played the whole album. I think this was just last year, two years ago or something, hmm. where they did the whole Ride the Lightning album. So I guess they had to play it. They had to, yeah. So when did they remember how to play it since they hadn't played it since 1984? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I don't know, that's just because they always change up the songs in a tour. You think they would have the tour forward. Maybe they didn't change up the songs back then i guess they do now maybe they're not when they were on their second tour but whatever now we got creeping death. creeping death do you like this one love it it's like it's it's so like so badass and um i was listening to kirk talk about this and i think it was an old school movie called it might have been the Ten, Ten Commandments or something, but it's about yes. the book of it's about the book of Exodus, obviously. And like they're watching this movie, and um, this like crazy like green fog comes down over the land and like covers everybody and just like takes out all the firstborn sons. And <laughs> I don't know if Metallica coined the term "creeping death." by watching it they were like oh it's like creeping death i don't know but um it's very clever it's it's good the the lyrics are great they're dark song is great it's a great song yeah it said it was describes the plague of the death of the firstborn out of exodus but it doesn't say why creeping death i didn't see that in any of my notes about why they called it creeping death it's always a crowd favorite because who doesn't love the yellow die, die, die over and over. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's one of my favorite songs too. And apparently uh, Kirk Hammond wrote this song when he was in Exodus or not wrote the song, but wrote some of it anyway. When yeah, he like Exodus. had the riff. Yeah. 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 Um, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and the song is the second most played song live ever of Metallica's. Wow. So I guess they play this a lot. <laughs> well, 1,604 yeah. times. So it's That's just cool. behind Master of Puppets. And then we go. I wonder if like, okay. I wonder if like when they think back to like their first shows when they were younger, like if some of these numbers are fudged a little bit, like, do you think they really well, remember? Well, see, I don't know. I'm getting this from setlist.fm which didn't exist like well no but see i know 20 years ago yeah see so i don't know how accurate it is for all groups because it's, it's going by people too like like yeah. you could have said like i don't know if you probably didn't make a note of the songs you're seeing at your dark funeral concert but if you did you could have sent them to this website and then they would post it and say these are right. the songs they played that night so how accurate is if you get 10 drunk people that just went to a concert and they send in their <laughs> list it could all be different songs right yeah. <laughs> i'm not saying you know talking the 80s stuff i mean i'm sure people still get drunk at concerts but i mean <laughs> for sure so I don't, yeah, so I'm just going by that. But I do know on Metallica's Met Club thing where you can buy a recording of pretty much any concert now, not in history, but I know you can go back. And it always has little notes about this was the so-and-so time this song has been played. So maybe Lars has kept track of every fucking song they've played ever. I don't know. Yeah. So maybe he does know. So I'm not sure if these numbers are 
Metallica's numbers or if it's just this set list website that I'm sure it's telling them it's, so, but it's probably close. I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm sure it's. <laughs> so if you don't ac- agree with my numbers, accurate. it's because of setlist.fm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we have the last song, which is an instrumental, which just screams out Cliff Burton, of course. Mm-hmm. And that's the call of Tulu. Is that how, am I saying it right? I've always. Or is it Cthulhu? 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 I always, when I was like uh, 18 or 16 or whatever it was, I just always assumed the K was silent. <laughs> it might be. Um, <laughs> no, but it probably is Cthulhu, I think. Yeah. And interesting fact that I learned when I was looking into the song was that um, the song used to be called When Hell Freezes Over. Yes. And, and they changed it. Um, and then um, when asked why they misspelled it, because Cthulhu doesn't spell like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this is a fact, actually, that they claimed the reason they misspelled it is because every time you say the name, the beast becomes stronger, <laughs> <laughs> which is clever, I think. It says in my notes that the original name was modified to Cthulhu for easier pronunciation. Pronunci- <laughs> <laughs> so now I can't say that word. Pronunciation. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, much <laughs> easier to say than when hell freezes over. <laughs> well, no, I think the Cthulhu part that they spelled it differently because they thought it was easier to say it when it just says oh. T U L U instead of C T H U L. Oh, okay. I see. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. I'm not sure I agree with it, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And that guy, Dave Mustaine, had something to do with this one too. Oh, that uh, guy. Yes. And he all he reused the chord structure on Megadeth's track Hangar 18. I know I don't I mean I know the song, but I'm not a big that Holy Wars album. I think that's what that was from. I wasn't big on that album, so I can't really say if it sounds the same or not. <laughs> And so, oh, I guess we haven't even talked. Do you like the song? Like, it's an instrumental. It's probably yeah. eight or nine minutes, I'm assuming. I forgot yeah. to write that down. Yeah, but, it's a cool song. It's a cool song. It didn't make my list, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's very difficult to pick. But we'll get into that next, I guess. Yes. This song is actually, because uh, on our talk about Injustice for All, we talked the instrumental that's on that, that, of course, Cliff was already passed but it was kind of wrote for with Cliff in mind. And they've only played that song live once. And my thought was it's too hard for them to play it because it is for Cliff. So that's right. why they've only played it live once. Well, this one they've played live 93 times. Now, of course, a lot of that could have been on the Ride the Lightning Tour where Cliff said, we're playing right. this song. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the, instru- the long instrumentals from those the second, third, and fourth album were definitely... You can almost tell Cliff is the one saying, we got to do this one, or I want to do this one, or whatever. Because, But anyway, so so that is the album. So we're going to rate this uh, out of 10. What are you giving this album out of 10? Oh. Did I surprise you? I did not not tell you to do that. Well. Yeah, no, you you didn't tell me about this. What do I rate this album out of 10? Um, geez, I'm gonna give it a nine. Nine, okay. yeah, 
because that one song. <laughs> oh, escape just because of escape. You're so harsh. Well, there's well, a skippable. Good. I mean, to me, this is obviously my opinion, but like there's a skippable song on this album, so it can't be a 10. Well, I don't skip it, so I'm giving it a 10. All right. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, on the last uh, Justice for All, Jason gave it 80 out of 10. 80? Yeah, like, he doesn't know math, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, when he first when he first said it, I thought, oh, you're only giving an 8 out of 10? He goes, no, 80. He went, oh, sorry. Okay, he sorry. loves that album. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he just loves it. Anyway, so usually this is the time where we talk about seeing them live, but since you said you've already, you've never seen them live, no, nope. have any stories about it, and I've probably already told my stories, so we don't have to talk about that. And with this episode, we're going to do the top 10 Metallica songs from the first four albums, and the reason we say that is because that's what you wanted to do. <laughs> Well, I but I'm kind of thinking if we included all the albums, wouldn't your top ten still be from the first four albums? Yeah, of course it would. <laughs> no, I don't know if I would have threw one. Like what? But, how about you? Um, like if we had included all Metallica albums, would you have? Would your I list think be mine, different? I think mine would still be from the first four albums. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like some other other songs, like the songs that I like, but sure, they're not, yeah, they're not matching but, these songs. No. I mean. Okay, so you asked me to make this list. This was very difficult for me because <laughs> because commitment, which I struggle with. So, <laughs> um, but what's funny was I was like worried about it, and I was you know kind of making my short list and my maybe my maybe list and whatever. And then when I when I once I had my I had made an absolutely must be on the list list and a maybe list. And my absolutely must be on the list list just e happened to equal out to 10 songs. And when I looked at those 10 songs, I'm like, you know, these 10 songs are going to be on everybody's list. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, maybe not, actually. And, and, and disclaimer here, you know, if you ask me tomorrow what, what order I'm going to put these in, it's going to be completely different than what I have today. I, I tried my best to you know, commit to a list and I stand by it right now. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, count, you got them in order. You said, right. So count down from 10. I'll let you do yours first. Do you want me to do mine first? Yeah, sure. Okay. So number 10, I have blackened. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which I know you were like, not sure about that. Um, but so number 10, I have blackened. Number nine, I, number nine, I have Creeping Death, even though it's a great song. Number eight, I have Master of Puppets. Number seven, I have One. Let's talk about One. It's such a good song. It's like, it that that song gets into your head. You know, the lyrics, it's got a great, you know, uh, build up, you know, it's, it's just a badass song. Uh, and it's the first, that's the first video they made, and it's when they yeah. sold out to a lot of people <laughs> yeah they said they yeah. would never make a video and then they did for one <laughs> and i i just can't listen to that song without like putting myself in the situation of like you know the topic of the song which With i think no is, arms and no legs yeah 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 like it just gets you thinking it's 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 just it's so good uh number six battery mm -hmm. number five uh metal militia 
Um, okay. Yeah, I, I I really like the first album. Um, I really, really love James's vocals on this song. Uh, I wish that, like, if you took the, the new album that just came out and threw, like, these vocals on that album, it would be so, so much better. Like, one thing I don't really enjoy about newer Metallica is, like, I find James's vocals are just too clean now, too overproduced. Like, they don't sound like they used to, but... Anyway, sorry, James. Uh, Militia. <laughs> I really love that song. It's a good song. Uh, just a good thrash song. Uh, number four, Trapped Under Ice. Like I said earlier, give me any song that starts with the Kirk solo, and I'm I'm totally into that. Number three, Ride the Lightning. Great song. Number two, Fight Fire with Fire. And number one is Whiplash, which I think is just like a fucking great thrash song. And that's my list. Uh, cool. Okay, mine. <clears throat> now, even, even listening to yours, I mean, you're naming a song, and I'm going, oh, I, I should have had that on my list. Right? See? <laughs> like, this is hard. So, yes, I could do the same thing as you did, and, like, tomorrow I'll have a different list or a different mm-hmm. order of my list or whatever. Because I know, like, see, I don't have, uh, oh, I do have that. Because I don't have battery on my list, but I really like that song. Damage Incorporated could have been on it. It's not. Mm -hmm. I don't have Blackened. It could have been on it. Um, And then the first album, I have a couple, but I'll just, my number 10 is Hit the Lights. Now, that's kind of more so sentimental reason. I mean, it's still a great song, but it's also the first metallic song I ever heard. So it's kind of sentimental reasons. It's going to be on my top 10 list anyway. That was <laughs> on my maybe list. Tony, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of why it's in there for that, even though I still like the song. Number nine, I got Welcome Home Sanitarium. Uh, um, maybe um, list, yeah. From, from my Master. Then I have yep. Trapped Under Ice, which I just put in there now because you reminded me that I like that song. So I took another song <laughs> off. <laughs> Number seven, I have Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. Six, I have one. Five, mm-hmm. I have uh, uh, for the uh, for whom the bell tolls. Mm-hmm. Four, I have the thing that should not be because mm. I really like it's you know it's slow and not slow but slower and heavier. And my first ever email address, I use Thingy as my email name. Nice which I got from the live shit album that they released because they wrote short forms for the songs and it said thingy. And that's where I stole my first email address was thingy at whatever. (laughs) That's a good story. And see, number three, I have Creeping Death. Number two, I have Fade to Black. And number one is why me and you get along so well. It's whiplash. Shut up. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my God. See? Yes, I love that song. And like, we were meant to do this podcast for this. Yes. Reason. Okay. The thing I love about whiplash is it's like, it's almost like Metallica's anthem. Like, it's, a, it's about metal, it's about shows, it's about touring, it's about banging your head, it's about moshing in the pit. You know, it. it's just, it's, it's what, it's the reason that we're all into this stuff and it's the reason that we go to shows and the reason that we listen to this music that's what it meant to me yes now i've I've never i'm I'm sure you're in the mosh pit i I don't go to the mosh pit because i'm scared i got bad knees (laughs) (laughs) but it's definitely a mosh pit favorite 
It's actually the twelfth song they've played the most live, according to this website. Oh, okay, okay. So okay. that's good. I guess that's probably the first one from that. Well, they also play Seek and Destroy a lot, but I think they just do that mm. so they can do the crowd sing along thing, probably. Yeah, that was on the maybe list. Because it's an easy one to do there. But yeah. yeah, so there's our list. I'm see last week I was happy that like we did the top 10 albums from 1988 last week when I did yeah. the Justice for All one. And I was happy when Jason said Man of War and I had Man of War on my list. <laughs> And I was happy to hear when you said Whiplash was your number one, and it's my number one too. So that's it's cool. It's so good. Like <laughs> I, it's always whenever I go to a show, it's usually in Toronto nowadays, and that's like um, you know between two or three hour drive, and um, I need to listen to that song on the way, otherwise I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a good motivator. I always even though it's one of the like I. You mentioned about musical instrument earlier. I have a couple of guitars. I'm not a guitarist and because I never had the patience to learn, but I'd always just tried to play as fast as I could so I could play the riff part of Whiplash. I couldn't do any of the solos or anything like that, of course, but it was always yeah. fun to at least palm mute my one note <laughs> for the main part. Anyway, so did you want to mention anything else about Metallica or and you love like all the new albums you said, right? And <laughs> yeah, yeah, love them. No, uh, I mean, I, I'm, um, I'm not gonna bash on Metallica. Like, you know, yes, they're they're great. They're great people. You know, they've they've done a lot for the the scene and everything. Um, but yeah, it's just you know, I I owe a lot to them. I think. And I hope they keep going. And uh, yeah. I guess I'll maybe I'll see them one day. I just like, I mean, ticket prices are high, and they're gonna play. <laughs> they're gonna play like two songs I'm into, so I don't go out of my way. <laughs> well, on the current tour, they're doing two shows in every city, and they're playing a different set list both nights. Right, so, right. So you might, if you wanted to pay twice as much money, <laughs> right, which you might probably sold out by songs. now. Well, yeah, probably. And we have to go to Montreal or I guess Detroit, maybe. I'm not really, I didn't really looked, but yes, I guess I haven't seen them in a while. I saw them in London once. Probably the in only Ontario? time I ever played in London, or Where's at least Jim? at the arena, the uh, oh, yeah, John yeah. Labatt yeah. Center, if it's still called that, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I think it's called like the Budweiser stage now or something. Could be, yeah, I don't know. It was with Godsmack open. I can't even remember what tour it was exactly. Probably one of the load ones. I'm not really sure. I don't know. But that's when I lost my friend that night. <laughs> what do you yeah, mean? What? Well, he, he, we lost our friend. There was... I you didn't lose with, them for, for good. No, not forever. I found them oh. now. <laughs> 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 but, but I remember he... Because I worked with him in, uh, in Stratford and he came with other work people. And I, I don't know if I went and picked somebody else up. I can't remember. But there was six of us meeting at this place in London to watch the concert. And they did some stuff on the way to the concert, you know, stuff. And, <laughs> and he's got smacks playing and he's up there and he's, you know, whatever, banging his head and stuff. And I said, it's Godsmack. <laughs> and when I, no offense to God's man, but, and I said, you should sit down. He goes, no, if I sit down, I'll never get up. But he did sit down and he did get up. He went to the bathroom, but that was the last time we seen him. 
As I kept going, where is he? Where is he? Someone must go to the bathroom. We didn't see him or anything. And then after we said, we can't find a friend. Like, so they said they went and checked all the bathrooms. They couldn't find him. And this was before we had cell phones. So it was at least, you know, 20 years ago, probably now. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't call him. He couldn't call me because I was supposed to drive him home to his wife. (laughs) I can't call his house and say, is Rob there? (laughs) You reminded me of a story, not quite as fun, but like when I went to New York City with my brother and I decided to go to like the giant Macy's there. And I don't know, I turned around and he was gone and we didn't have cell phones back then. And like. I don't know if you've ever been to New York City, like on that corner where Macy's is, there's just like thousands and thousands and thousands of people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was like, what do you do? You know, you don't have a cell phone. What do you do? You know, (laughs) I don't know how people live without cell phones. (laughs) I don't know. I kind of wish we probably should live. Because I didn't know about my friend. Well, yeah, I know. I didn't know about my friend until the next day he phoned me like, 11 or the next day so you like went home or whatever because i didn't know what to do i didn't want his wife to worry right you went home without him yeah because we couldn't find him Damn. <laughs> we so drove around london he? for a while we heard that there somebody got murdered in london that night <laughs> like she's out wasn't him <laughs> but we drove around thinking maybe he's just walking around maybe he's looking for us or something because we stood outside the arena watching everybody come out of the arena Thinking, no, we don't see him, like, because there was five of us, five of us. But we just said, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so You're I funny. went home and told my wife, I lost Rob. <laughs> see, that's like, that was life before cell phones, though. Like, yeah, I just didn't said, come home. I didn't come home from school. And my parents were just like, well, I'm sure she's at a friend's house. <laughs> <laughs> But apparently he just, he, he left the arena for some, cause he was high on whatever, whatever it was. And yeah. He left the arena and he started walking home. He lived in Stratford, but he started walking home and he got to, well, I'm not going to, other people don't live in London, but whatever he got yeah, like yeah, 20 yeah. minutes away from the arena and he realized, then he kind of woke up and went, Oh shit, where am I? And then oh, he boy. took a taxi the rest of the way home <laughs> to Stratford. Too funny. That's funny. <laughs> But anyway, yes, he's alive. He just didn't get to see Metallica because he didn't see any of Metallica. <laughs> he left before they started. Anyway, okay, I should end this podcast. So thank you, Kim, for joining me for this. Thanks for having me. We got to talk about the best Metallica album ever. The best. <laughs> okay, so make sure everybody checks us out on our website again, www.themetalpit.org and everywhere else. And we'll, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks.